All right, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary, your regularly scheduled podcast all about the crazy things that uh, the wealthy have spent their money on through the years. I'm your host, Haley. Over there is my co-host, Steven. What's up, Gilded Gang? Represent. So uh, it's been a hot minute, and uh, we're sorry for that. But you know what? After the holidays, it's like the world just, like, set itself on fire. I feel like it's no longer, like, abnormal for our listeners. Like, they just, they know. And I feel like like, like the true hardcore listeners that, you know, remain faithful, <laughs> they have, like, learned an extra measure of patience and grace for us that they know that, hey, it's not going to be consistent. But it's consistently inconsistent, and I appreciate that consistency. <laughs> They're like, it's going to be out on a Wednesday. Which Wednesday, we don't know. But a Wednesday, right. we at least got that down. Absolutely. Remember when we didn't even like have a specific day we came out on? We're like that surprise nugget sometime during your month. Sometimes twice during your month. Right. But that's like... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I, us. But, now, but now we have a day. They They know they can look forward to that day. Like you said, whenever that day may be, but it's going to be a it's day. It's just sort of, I feel like your head just pops off the pillow on Wednesday mornings and you're like, maybe today, maybe today is going to be the day. And then it's not. And you're like, no, nah, maybe mm, next, maybe next Wednesday. Maybe next I Wednesday. don't know. Mm. But have you? Well, hope. <laughs> what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, hopefully everything that we provide on those Wednesdays is is enough to just like fill your hearts with joy. Mostly anger towards the wealthy. Mostly um, anger. Mostly anger. But at least some definitely trivia facts for whatever your next social engagement is. Yeah, absolutely. Fun fact. Actually, it's really funny because there has been, uh, what was it? Somebody brought up, oh, there's a guy in my office and he, I, I, I shit you not, um, he is notorious for calling everybody a dude, right? So in the office, he is known as the king of the dudes. Because he says dude so much. And so and, and Evander Barry Wall? I did. I did I did find I did find my uh, Evander Evander Wall. Um so he's officing next to me, and his name is Derek, super cool guy. And you know, we've kind of struck up I wouldn't say a friendship, but definitely like a serious acquaintanceship. And uh, so I found this out. And because like, you know, whenever whenever I'm in the office, he sees me, he's like, hey, dude, I mean, what's going on, dude? Hey, so, dude, um, the other day, dude. And like, like literally, that's how he talks. Um, and uh, I said, I said, hey, man, I heard I heard your nickname is called King of the Dudes. He's like, yeah, dude. I was like, I'm definitely the King of the Dudes. I said, that's so funny. I said, so my friend and I. We do a podcast and, you know, yada, 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 the whole spiel about the podcast. And I said, one of the guys that we talked about was a really prissy fellow that was called, his nickname was King of the Dudes. And so I got to tell him about Evander Wall. So I got to enrich his That's life a so little bit. That's so exciting to get to be able to, like, use that information in real in life. In real life, in an actual real life conversation that was pertinent, that had meaning, that had a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So it can happen. This stuff you can incorporate, you can impress people with your random ass knowledge of hell yeah <laughs> of really rich rich ass things. Gosh, you know what? Uh, you know one of my favorite mm. movies of all time as a kid. It, it was like the one movie that, as a kid, I was like, man, if I could be anybody, I would I would want to be that kid. And it was Richie Rich. <laughs> I mean, like literally, like oftentimes we're doing this show, and I'm thinking of man, I really wish I was Richie Rich. You know, because the dude had everything. He had a McDonald's, 
Yeah, inside that's totally his freaking house. I mean, and that's amazing. Like, not that McDonald's is my favorite thing ever, but just to know that you know what—that you own your own. Yeah, I'm on my own today. I can just go slide down that banister to the first level, walk across the little hallway there, and I can say what's up to. Uh, I can say what's up to Donnie. You know, he's back there flipping burgers for me. You know, and I <laughs> I pay Donnie pretty well. And Donnie hooks me up whenever I ask him for a Big Mac. Does he give me two patties? No, he gives me three. Oh, Donnie! Because Donnie is the best. High fives for Donnie. Donnie. Donnie's going to take care of you. Yeah, Donnie's going to take care of me for sure. Anyways, super (laughs) off track. So anyways. It feels really good to be back. I'm going to be perfectly honest. It does. It does feel good to be back. Super excited for Uh, tonight. Excited for uh, my topic. I'm sure excited for your topic. Um, So let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. This, yeah, I just, I'm, I need to preface I need to preface that I wrote this topic sometime back in December. It was something that I stumbled upon when I was doing some Googling. Um, And I wrote this and discovered this before all the World War III stuff started um, appearing mm -hmm. on the internet. Yeah, I'm legitimately worried about not just America. I'm worried about our world right now. Like, oh, yeah, I texted you, like, what was it, like two or three days ago? I was like, Haley, what the hell is going on with America right now? Oh, yeah. You were like, is it just me or does it just feel like really bad to, to live here right now? And it's like it does like almost to the does. point where like some stuff that's happened, like I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at how like we're represented. I'm embarrassed at some of the decisions that are made. Obviously, I'm torn because, you know, I grew up in a military family. I'm you know, I am 100 percent American. I do have a love for this country, you know, but it just seems the government right now just seems so petty. Like everything is just so petty and it's, yeah. it's not a good representation of who we are as a people. Maybe it is. I mean, I don't know. I'm on social media. Not, not, not okay. Not okay. I, I'm going to stand on the soapbox just for a second. Then I'll step off. But like, just it, you know, I'm, I'm on social media every day, you know, and there is a lot of pettiness. There's a lot of just, you know, random stupid bickering for no reason. You know, obviously I'm a huge proponent, you know, being an empath, I want people to get along. I want people to love each other. I want people to respect each other. And it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of that right now. I mean, I know that there's there needs to be a lot more meat than just, hey, you know, loving and respecting people. But that's a good foundation. And I just feel like that foundation has been lost. All right. No, so, you're, abso- you're absolutely right. right. Yeah. Soapbox over. But like uh, I will I will also step on to the soapbox, but maybe just like slightly shorter just to add on to your soapbox. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. have a very long soapbox. Um I just wanted to say, like, everyone's so concerned about, like, World War Three or, like, oh, no, what if I get drafted? And, like, those are concerns, for sure. But, like, just so everyone remains aware, like, we as Americans haven't had any war or anything on our soil since the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And just keep that in the back of your mind when you think about these poor countries that... that supposedly world war three is going to happen to the it's innocent people are going to be affected by this Uh, and that's just something to keep in the back of your mind when you're concerned for yourself which you should be and for your family but like just just always be an advocate for innocence not being hurt you know um yeah yeah, so that was very heavy for our comedy podcast. That is not about <laughs> politics. Oh man. Oh, see, but it it kind of had to happen simply because um, my my topic 
which I wrote before all this was happening. Uh, my topic is about Iran. Uh, oh, shit. Yes. But it's about a very specific event that happened in Iran. So let's let's go ahead and um, let, <laughs> oh, I wrote this intro right after we uh, recorded our last one when we were just kind of like, I'm angry at modern rich people. Sure. Modern rich people just make sure. you sad and you want you want history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can it, far enough removed that you can laugh at it. Yeah. 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 And and so um, I, I'm just going to pose this question. 1971 is far enough away, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 1971, you got the Barracuda, which is an amazing, amazing muscle car that came out. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just just right off, right off of you know the. the um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. 60s. Well, that was you know that was the you know uh, the big racial movement. You know, you know, coming off of you know Martin Luther King, coming off of all that. You know. Um, you know what? A I'm going to help you there. out here. I'm yeah. going to help you out here because I actually wrote a thing saying, picture it, 1971. Ooh, I love it. Richard, Richard, Nick, Richard Nixon, he's president. Mm -hmm. The war in Vietnam is still going. Mm -hmm. uh, Mao Zedong was the dictator of China. Mm -hmm. uh, the most popular children toys included a mini phonograph, a miniature typewriter, and an Etch-a-Sketch. <laughs> Etch-a-sketches are amazing. <laughs> etch are still amazing. So but cool. I think that the mini phonograph and the mini typewriter, yeah. not so much nowadays. No, not so much, but yeah. Not so much. But also just like picture it, bell bottoms. Bell bottoms everywhere, big collars, very long hair. So why is 1971 so special? It's because it was the year that one of the most expensive parties in history was thrown. Uh, it was the three-day celebration thrown by the Shah of Iran to celebrate the 2,500-year anniversary of the founding of the Persian Empire. Oh, so, big, yes. big deal. Big deal coming up. Big deal. So, yeah, the basically the entire empire, the um, what is now Iran, because Iran used to be Persia, uh, had been around for literally 2,500 years. So where better to host uh, the event? Uh, I was going to say the event of the century, but it's the event of 2,500 years. Um, rather than in the original capital of Persia, which is the city of Persepolis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It is how it is written. It's how I'm going to be pronouncing it. Feel free to correct me. Oh, listeners. Oh, Gilded Gang. I won't care. Um <laughs> Hey, this is your segment. You do you, boo. Yeah, you, you can call me out on Instagram and Twitter all you want. Um, so I just wanted to to say, like, keep in mind that uh, this entire shebang is supposed to be a show of strength from the Shah, uh, who at that time did not have a lot of support. And the Shah is the uh, ruler of Iran. Uh, so... Basically, the Shah had a tent city erected in um, in Persepolis, and Persepolis is nothing but ruins right now. So um, he, it, when I say a tent city, I don't mean like a homeless encampment. <laughs> I know that's what tent city means now, <laughs> but I mean it's literally a city made of tents. Um, so uh, this is a quote from alimentarium.com which is 
probably the most extensive article on this that I found. It has a lot of really good information. And so uh, most of my information is coming from this. But obviously you can find other sources like Wikipedia and I don't know, continuing on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, a quote from Alimentarian.com. The Shah hired French architects, interior decorators, and courtiers to design 50 tent-like suites for the royal visitors, right next to the ruins. A main tent, measuring 68 meters by 24 meters, was to be the banquet hall. The The tent city took a year to build and 37 kilometers of silk. Uh, The tents were arranged along five avenues radiating out from a central fountain. They also built uh, an airstrip, a motorway, and a small forest for guests to walk in. Uh, They shipped 50,000 songbirds from Europe to inhabit the forest to provide ambiance. Oh my gosh, look at that thing. (laughs) So, yeah, so describe what you're seeing right now. Okay, so... I am looking at, it looks like a star. Is that, is that where the tents are? Is that how the tents were built and arranged? Like in that star-like pattern? Yes. So, so the, the circle in the middle is the, is the fountain that's in the center. And then there's five uh, radiating avenues coming off that, that center circle. And it's pretty much a star of, um, of tents going down. And that's 50 total tents. And that's where everyone is staying. So uh, basically all the people who are invited to this are all of the royals and dignitaries from across the world coming to celebrate Iran, you know, being old as balls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's massive. I mean, I mean, just looking at the scale, like... Obviously, looking at the roads and seeing, like, the I assume those are automotive vehicles. So the scale is huge. Um, oh, it's absolutely ginormous. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's beastly. So that's crazy. Yeah, so um, I will explain to you how big those tents are in just a minute so you can kind of understand that even what you're, like, just looking at the aerial of it, you're mm-hmm. still not quite getting the picture of oh, how I'm big sure. this thing is. Uh, by the way, that's also the ruins of Persepolis are what's across from the star. So yeah, everyone can uh, kind of go out of their tent and look at the ruins of the original capital. The dark stuff that I'm seeing like around the star, like uh, I guess it would be towards like the like the southeast and southwest of the tent mm-hmm. area. Is that the forest that they built? That is the forest that they built. So it's not a natural forest. It's they, impl- they planted trees. They planted They a literally planted trees. They planted a forest and then shipped in 50,000 songbirds to inhabit the forest. Stupid. What Stupid. happened to the birds? I hear you ask. You didn't ask that, but it's no, it no, should no. You be heard what it. you're asking. No, I did. I asked. Yeah, that's um well, I don't know. You tell me. What happened to the birds, Stephen? They're dead. 100%. They are very dead. Uh yeah, they they were, you know, shipped to not their natural habitat. And um, in case anyone doesn't actually know what the temperature is of Iran. Hot. (laughs) Hot, yes. But it is also, um, most people don't know that desert conditions, often it gets very cold at night. So there were extreme temperature swings of highs over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 40 Celsius, and then down below freezing at night. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's why people <laughs> die in the desert. That's why. That's what that's why people die in the desert. No, a lot of people um 
don't know that uh, if if you are in the desert at the correct time of year, uh, it gets friggin' cold out. Oh my god! Like people, I'm from Tucson, Arizona. I'm smack dab in the middle of the desert. And uh, growing up, like in the winter, it would get down to like 17 degrees. Did it snow? Sometimes. Sometimes. It mm. would it would definitely snow up on the mountains, uh, which because Tucson is a valley, <laughs> but um, it probably would snow once every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like s- snow was possible, not a regular thing, though. It was always very exciting when it actually snowed in the valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, it gets it gets cold as hell. You, you it, like it, it freezes. So, um yeah, to continue on about uh, talking about the tents is uh, this is a quote from Emile Rial or Real, not sure. His last name is spelled R-E-A-L, but he sounds French. So Real, Emile Real, I don't know. Uh, sure. He was uh, the room service coordinator, uh, and I'm sure he had many other titles. He's quoted a lot in this Alimentarium article. Uh, he said, quote, Each of them had two bedrooms, two bathrooms, an office, and a lavishly furnished salon that could accommodate 12 people. A tapestry with a picture of the head of state who was staying in that tent was woven into it. And we're like, yeah, so the picture of the head of state was woven into the tapestry. The tapestry hung on the wall of each tent, which was a gift from the Shah. See, you're stunned. You are literally stunned, speechless. It's just that 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 seems like obviously our the little name of our podcast is unnecessary, but that seems unnecessary. I mean, he's literally trying to show as much as possible about like how much they can afford to do this, and also he is hosting five hundred dignitaries. It's amazing. Yeah, it's. Insane. Oh, also, uh, there was a separate tent for all of the women to keep their clothes and accessories in. Of course there was. Of course there was. Does anyone hear my dog in the background right now? (laughs) Strudel. Strudel. Oh, my God. She just started scratching herself so much she got really excited about what she was doing that she just decided to go... I know. I heard, I heard that. It was, it was really guttural, too. I'm not too. editing that out. That was great. Was like, she sounds like a baby bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was amazing. It was so cute. Well, yeah. So if anyone hears her uh, clomping around, I did finally take her blue squeaky ball away from her when we started recording because she was close enough I could grab it. You but, have to. I know. I just feel so bad. She's my baby and I spoil her rotten. Okay, uh, enough dog talk. Let's get back to uh, just this absolutely ridiculous party we're throwing. So, um, by the way, I sent you another photo of... I got uh, it. I'm looking at it right now because I can see through the ruins into the uh, the tent-like structure. Yeah, so all the tents are uh, large and round and uh, just ginormous. Like, I, they are genuinely the size of a house. Honestly, like from this distance, they all look like banana-colored Dutch ovens. <laughs> I think they look like banana-colored co- uh, yurts. Or a yurt, yes. They're ah, oh, you know, that's the perfect word for them. They're yurts. They're fancy yurts. 
Ah, uh, so did they literally yeet their yurts? They did yeet the yurts, but we will get to that. So, um, they, they weren't supposed to yeet the yurts. The yurts got yeeted. Those yurt eaters. <laughs> That's stupid. Right. That, feels, that feels like the title. That abso- I'm writing that down absolutely stupid. right now. Stupid. All right. Yurt eaters. <laughs> yurt eaters. Stupid. All right. I hate us so much. I hate I'm, so, it. I'm so sorry. We're, we're so off topic. I'm so sorry, my guys. Okay. Let's move on to the next portion of, of this. So, how do you think they fed? the 500 guests that they were going to be serving and this is a three-day party buffet yes so uh well buffet banquet is a better word for it because they did obviously have multiple meals throughout the day there was the main banquet on i think each night perhaps Mm -hmm. um but let's talk about how much food they imported because it was a lot um, was it enough to feed a small third world country? Oh, absolutely it was. Oh my God, it was. Uh, so Iran actually imported <laughs> all of the high quality food in for the banquets, except for the caviar. Only the caviar was produced in Iran. Um, hmm. Which is, yeah, interesting. Uh, so another quote from uh, Emil Rayal. I'm just going to call him Emil. He's Emil, guys. Um Three days uh, before the gala banquet, 18 tons of food arrived. 18 According, tons. Ugh. 18 tons. It's a lot of food. A- according to the list, this included 2,700 kilograms of beef, pork, and lamb. 1,280 kilograms of fowl and game. This includes peacocks. Uh, uh, 30 kilograms of caviar, although some people claim that it was 150 kilograms. That's a very big discrepancy, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, who are those people? Like, um, no, uh, I believe it was actually like 150 because I There's saw. 30? 150. 150. 30? 150. Both are large numbers to have of caviar. But like, how do you not know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you not know? People. So um, to continue on with the with, with the banquets, uh, the owner of the Paris restaurant Maxime's, which was considered at the time to be the re- best restaurant in the world, uh, the owner of Maxime's was the one who was asked to manage the whole affair. So getting getting all of the food, the cooks, everything organized, all of the waiters, they actually, for the waiters, they created a stoplight system. So they all lined up and had all of their platters and had to wait for the green go light so they could all come in at once. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, I can see that. It, like, it looking, makes looking sense. professional, yeah. It makes sense. But I just enjoy that they literally <laughs> had to build a stoplight. Was there? Um, see, at first when you said like a stoplight system, I was literally like imagining like like a children's softball coach, like oh up no. in like a risers, you know, sit, you know, doing all, the whole green light, red light, you know, and like like green light go, red light, oh oh, 
All right, Yusef, I caught you, Yusef. You were out of line. Get back in there. Hamid, Hamid, you watch yourself. You're testy, okay? We've talked about this, Hamid. (laughs) Get back there, Pierre. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's it's the children's softball coach. You know, it's it's like a older like a little more heavyset male with kind of like a scruff beard baseball cap windbreaker shorts that are a little bit too short um and he's you know calling out red light green light that's what that's i don't know why that's where i went to <laughs> maybe some trauma from my childhood anyways but that's yeah you dug deep for that one i did i did dig deep but anyways stoplight system professional system yeah so um by the way the the servers were all uh from i believe maxims and also there were swiss servers there as well of course they apparently, were. <laughs> apparently the Swiss waiters uh, had like a beef against the French waiters because both of them were in their own camps of like, I know how to serve food. No, I know how to serve food. And, and server wars. Exactly. So anyways, continuing on. Um, th- where was this banquet served? The banquet was served on a serpentining table that was 70 meters long. Like a serpent? Like like it was like weaving like a serpent? It was weaving like a serpent. Ooh. Ooh. How pretty. Wait, so like some, some of the people got sat at that table and the other schmucks got, you know, <laughs> sat at like, you know, the fold-out tables? Yeah. So the serp- again, there's 500 people. I don't know how many. Uh, well, it looks like they're seating them uh, all on one side of yeah. the serpentining table if they had bothered seating them on both sides of the table i think you could have gotten all of them in there but i think that uh the main table was for um all of the dignitaries specifically and then the schmuck tables were for um whatever guests were brought along by those dignitaries does that make sense yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a bridal party where it's like everyone who's in the party, you get yeah. to be at the head table. Everyone yeah. else has to go to their own table. Um, Look at that decor. Yeah. So they're in a tent, but there are chandeliers hanging I know. from the tent ceiling, which I is cannot... all cloth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if Sia could see this, she would definitely be swinging from the chandelier. Absolutely. <laughs> She'd be swinging from all those chandeliers. <laughs> Stupid. That was, stupid. That was real stupid. Stupid. Uh, All right. Um. I hate you. <laughs> okay. But anyways, continuing on about our very long table. Uh, the tablecloth was handcrafted by 125 Iranian women. Mm-hmm. It took six months to make. Jeez. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's more to this. And I... Um, I basically, I, I did write this sentence and I feel the need to write this sentence out uh, or to read the sentence out loud because I apparently got very lazy while I was writing this article. And I said, just read the highlights from the article here, Haley. This guy wrote it a lot better than you did and it's better than plagiarizing it. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm going to take a note from myself and just start reading from the article, which is, again, that alimentarium article called The Most Expensive Party Ever. Um, But before I do that, I just want to say the entire cost of this party is up to debate, depending on the sources. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the numbers are also a very large discrepancy between them. 
Uh, it is between 300 million and 2 billion Swiss francs. Bananas. Yeah. That's so, so that's so much money. That's so much money. So um much. I don't know if that number is associated with how much they paid in 1971 or how much that's worth today. Right. But just as as reference, a Swiss uh franc today is worth about a dollar and 4 cents as of uh January 15th. Mm, so, okay. January 15th, 2020, that is. Um Did you look at like over the last like last year like year or two and see if it how much it fluctuates to get like an average i did, I did not i'm i was being lazy so i just chose what, oh, what, was, what was it worth yesterday yeah i was just curious other reason i ask is like this is kind of random but the point but like because of my job like because we're in oklahoma texas and mexico like i get updates daily of the peso rate change because there's, oh. a, lot of, there's a lot of customers <laughs> that come across the border or we also have customers that are in mexico too as well and so it's important for like for us, you know, especially being in the baking industry, to like to understand, you know, you know, if the peso fluctuates each day and what and what the exchange rate is for each day. Dang. So random, but just made me think of that. Man, things that I don't have to think about. Mm. Good, good, good on you, bud. Our jobs oh, are I, so different. I don't have to deal. <laughs> I thankfully I don't have to deal with that because I'm in Oklahoma. So if I was in Texas, you know, maybe that might you know be a thing, but not for me. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to speed run through uh, some of the highlights of this article besides the stuff that I just spent, you know, 20 minutes explaining. But um, let's see here. Um, uh, Felix Real, who's the co-organizer and brother of Emil, um, he said that his main job was the wine and, quote, to go with the first meat dish, uh, which was saddle of lamb stuffed with champignons, roasted medium rare and garnished with tips of fresh asparagus. We served one of the world's most superb red wines, a Magnum Chateau Lafitte Rothschild, vintage 1945. He says, I tasted all of the wines, first for poison and then for cork. <laughs> <laughs> I I, love I like that. that. <laughs> I appreciate that man so much. I at first for poison, then for cork. Then, um, for, then for cork. What a good quote. What a good so, one. Anyways, uh, in Maxime's official journal of the festivities, listed under, ooh, I don't know how that word is pronounced. I think it's French. Uh, quelque, quelque precision. Spell I don't it. speak French. Spell it. Q Q U E L Q U E S. Quelque? Quelque. 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 Do you speak French? Yeah. I thought we, well, I mean, not fluent, but. Uh, oh, God. You studied in France. I forgot that. So, and then what was the second word? Uh, pres, uh, precision. Quelque, oh, quelque precision. Okay. Yeah. So, um, is it, is there an exclamation point after it? Is it a. No, it was just, that was just the quote was quelque precision. Oh, oh yeah, quelque uh, precision is, is uh, that sounds like more of like an, like an exclamation, like uh, what precision or what accuracy? I have no idea because the uh, what was listed under it is all uh, the, the number of bottles of wine. So um, mm. not sure, but just to, there's, there's 2,500 bottles of champagne. 1,000 mm -hmm. bottles of Bordeaux, 1,000 bottles of Burgundy. They're just wanting everyone to get shit-faced, I think. Um, 
They were packed in 410 crates, delivered to a cellar that was specifically built for this purpose in Persepolis four weeks before the celebrations began. Mm-hmm. They had to test the wine glasses, which were um, crystal, and the necks were ultra thin. And they tested them by flicking their forefingers against them. Uh, and if they broke, they broke. They weren't good enough. All right. He, sa- he said a few hundred broke. Um, yeah. So um, there, there was there was even more. And there's photos of like what the original thing, uh, what the original like menu was. But it was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, just to kind of wrap this up. Uh, basically, this party of the century uh, was used as um, material to to slander the Shah uh, when um, people were rebelling against him. Uh, the his rule was overturned eight years later. He was the last Shah of Iran, and he was um, he was ousted. And uh, most people were like, you're you're wasting our money. I can't believe you spent this amount on this. Uh, his so the Shah's wife at the time, uh, she has an uh, autobiography and she ended up uh, she was saying um, she said the attack was all the more unfair because most of the money spent for amenities considerably increased Iran's assets because twenty five hundred schools were opened for the occasion. Mm. So. It, it, it was what it was. It was seen as a big waste of money, but as all things with the economy, some things benefit, some things don't. Um, True. Yeah. But in any case, at the... Oh, here's a, here's a quote from Princess Anne of uh, England. She went with her father, uh, the husband, to uh, Queen Elizabeth. So Princess Anne is Queen Elizabeth uh, and Prince Philip's daughter. So as Prince Philip, Princess Anne both went to represent England and Princess Anne said, I'll never eat another peacock. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never eat another peacock ever again. I'll never eat another peacock. Um, Yeah. And then the one of the main chefs said we ended up clearing away three quarters of the cold buffet, but the guests were simply full to bursting. Um. Apparently, on the day before the big de- uh, dinner, someone ate an entire turkey by themselves. But, um, yeah. Wow. Uh, what yeah. a gobbler. Yeah, what a... G- Boo! <laughs> that Stupid. was so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you could say I, you could say I ran to that joke. I hate you. <laughs> Stupid. I hate you so much. Okay, Stupid. I know I keep saying that I'm, uh, that I'm uh, wrapping this up, but I am. I'm wrapping this up. So, um... Uh, one of the waiters said at the end of the three-day celebrations, loads of goods were left over. And when the soldiers began tossing a whole crates of wine into the rubbish bins, we waiters ran over to them like crazy saying, dear Lord, please help us save as much as possible. Dear Lord, please help us. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, basically the, the soldiers we're just told go clean things up and their solution for cleaning things up after all this money had been spent on these things they were like eh just throw it away so like they just tossed crates of wine and, and yeah but the whole plan was for the tent city to be used as a as a city for tourists but uh mm. 
it, that never came to fruition and the whole place just kind of fell into a nasty disrepair and um yeah was was pointed at as as a big old waste of money and yeah no there are people Gosh. from the the emperor of i can't remember which country in africa he was there he got to sit at the head table um Richard Nixon sent VP Spiro Agnew in his place. Uh, like I said, uh, Princess Grace Kelly of Monaco was there. Like it was just, it, it was everyone. It was. It was everyone under the sun. Yep. And that was the 2500th anniversary party of the founding of Persia. Like, can you imagine like being a server and just seeing all of those bottle crates of wine just being tossed into the rubbish bin. Just start crying. Just absolutely. absolutely start crying. Being like, no, that's the one bottle of that wine would pay my rent for like three months. <laughs> I know. Like they had to be like so angry. You could almost say that they had like grapes of wrath. You need to stop. Stupid. <laughs> I'm on it tonight. You? <laughs> and I said I was glad to be back. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm done with the puns. I don't believe you. <laughs> you shouldn't. So what am I looking at here? Is this, is this, the, is this the cleanup? Is this, the, is this a military thing? What, what am I looking at? I believe that was the uh, welcoming parade. Ah. With the backdrop of Persepolis. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, for Welcome everyone Welcome to the Black Parade, folks. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> We're done. We're moving to chump change. <laughs> did you bring anything for chump change today? No, did you? I brought something... That may very well turn into a uh, full topic for me next time because I'm so interested. Okay, fair, fair, fair. Uh, but uh, if anyone here has Amazon Prime, there is a new show out uh, that they've just released, I think, yesterday. Uh, and it's James May, uh, our, our beautiful Captain Slow from Top Gear and um, their, their new show on Amazon, uh, The Grand Tour. Uh, James May is traveling through Japan. I think the show is called Our Man in Japan. But in any case, uh, at the end of the second episode, there is it's the last four minutes and he hops on uh, Japan's luxury train and it's called the Orient Express of of the East. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous. It was launched in 2017 uh, and one ticket costs nearly $3,000, but the highest price is $10,000 to ride this train. Nope. That better be the sweetest, sickest ass train ever. It fucking is, though. It I is the it. sweetest, sickest ass train you've ever don't seen spoil in your it. life. Actually, I want you to do a session on this. Don't, don't spoil it. Okay. Um, but just so everyone knows, this train is called the Shikishima. Um, and it, it can only carry 34 passengers. And there is a lottery for you, like, stick your name into the lottery to see if you can have the opportunity to buy a damn ticket. So, mm. yeah. So if I had, you know, $5,000 to spend, 
I want to do it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Like, like let's say you saved up and you know whatever, and you you have like a like just a little pool of like you know three to five grand, you just have stashed somewhere just for whatever, and then just put your name in the lottery and just see what happens. Yeah. You know, if you, and if you never get it, then you got five grand to do whatever with. And if you do, then hey, there you go. That's, that's totally it. Just I have, I've always wanted to go to Japan and I've always wanted to like fly first class somewhere. But like, I feel like train travel is going to be so much better because there's a literal like dining car. You can stand up and go do things. First class is cool, but like not as cool as an extremely expensive train that is incredibly pretty on the inside. Hmm. Indeed. Anyway, chump change. Chump change. <laughs> the chumpiest change you'll the ever The chumpiest do. of change. Oh my gosh, I actually think of something that happened today. So literally, uh, we're in the bank today, and this has to do with change. Like, and this the this uh, older, I say older. Honestly, I, I I don't know how old she was or young she was. It was hard to tell. But her and her friend, sister, partner? Question mark. Brought in. 10 water you know like the the water cooler type things uh like the the water jug the blue yeah the like blue water jugs they bought in 10 of those filled with pennies oh my god oh strudel stop gnawing on my toes dude and there was a um uh yeah there was so there was a money like uh there was a coin machine that they could dump it into and you know it at this particular branch, like it's not very busy, like at all. So it was fine. Like they they had time to do it. So like they get about like halfway through, like to, to five, because and I was in there that long because we were waiting on a, a new debit card for Shelly. Mm-hmm. And so like they're like pouring everything in, and all of a sudden like the machine starts smoking, and they're like oh, starts, no. starts breaking down. And I'm like, oh man, it's like this this, this machine cannot handle their, this machine cannot handle handle their coin. I mean, come on. Um, so the, the manager comes over and she starts, you know, looking at all like the different um, slots and stuff for, you know, for everything. And she gets to like their slot where all the pennies are going, everything. And it's like ruined, like the bags and oh some my slots God. Stuff. And she pulls it out and she's like, um, ma'am, all your pennies are soaked. They're wet. And what? She's like, yeah. So like all the pennies were like, like wet and I guess grimy and stuff. Like they had been sitting out in rain. Or had had water in them. Like, I still. wonder if like they created their own tiny ecosystem and like it like condensation got on the inside of the of the jug. Probably, uh, but anyways, when they when they got to halfway, like they were well over like four hundred something dollars. It was Dang. crazy. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. They were gonna make bank, but obviously they couldn't because they had to <laughs> get the machine serviced. Well, they had bank, but who's gonna accept ten rolled up rolls of pennies? Yeah, wet pennies. Nobody wants that. <laughs> wet pennies. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. What you got for me? What do I got for you? So segueing into my my session actually has to do with something that I am just recently into and I'm actually starting to get super passionate about, which is my job. <gasps> yes. You big old nerd. Yeah, I'm a super nerd. Yeah. So Haley, um, 
whenever you think of the word insurance, what's what's one of the first things that comes to your mind? The fact that I had to cancel my my nationwide insurance today because they're charging me too much money. <laughs> so nationwide was not on your side. They weren't. Apparently. They were charging um, me double what everyone else was quoting. Yeah, yeah, they're expensive. I've looked at some of their policies. They are expensive. But anyways, besides that, what what are some things you think about when you think about insurance? Like A what are some things? A big scam. All right, all right, all right. Settle down, settle down. Some companies scam you. Some companies are for real and legit. Okay, I'm still learning about mine, so I I can't really tell you for sure about mine. I I feel like they're legit, but you know, give me like six more months and I'll tell you for sure. Okay. Um, we expect no. an update in six months. Yeah, I'll give you an update, kids. All right, no, no worries. No, but it, legitimately, there are insurance that come out there that will treat you well. Um, obviously, I don't know the California market because I'm not there. I'm here in Oklahoma. I know the Oklahoma market pretty well. But anyways, besides that, give me something positive about insurance. Um, they're there to pay for the things that you can't. You give them a small amount of money, like each, each, however much to, to pay for them to cover you, to cover your ass. Yeah. They cover your ass. They do. They absolutely. They cover your ass. Protection. I mean, like, you don't even hear the word insurance, think about protection. And you start thinking about like normal things, like you have to have auto insurance. If you drive, you have to car. It's state and it's state regulated throughout every single state. You got to have some sort of auto insurance. You got to have renter's insurance if you rent. You got to have homeowner's insurance. You, you know, on one side of it, it's like, man, it's, it seems like I have to pay for everything. Well, you do. Congratulations. Welcome to life. You know, we have to pay for everything. But yeah, protection. So insurance like protects us from a loss. You know, from I think of them kind of like a mob boss. Like I'm paying them. No, not even <laughs> close to accurate. Not even close. I'm the corner store and I pay the mob boss for protection. <laughs> They oh, take care of their okay. family. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Like and they're like they're in like their pinstripe suits yeah. and they got their like the nice fedora and like they're smoking a fat ass cigar. And like, you want protection, huh? All right. You give me a hundred squid a week and my boy Jerry and Monty. Yeah, they make sure your, nothing bad happens to They watch your back, huh? Yeah. They make sure no squids get to you, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> all right, yeah, so protection, cool. So I had kind of an epiphany. I was like, okay, so there's there's you know insurance plans for pretty much everything under the sun now now these days. And it was really interesting because I learned about a really cool, very off the wall insurance group, and they're not technically insurance because you 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 don't get insurance from them, but you can. They out like they outsource insurance from their company it, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a wonky thing like they themselves don't insure but they will help insure you anyways that's not important the the, the important matter is is um it's a company called lloyd's of london they're based in london and they were founded in like s late 1700s early 1800s that's um, a long history yeah, 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 and, and they were founded originally for maritime insurance because like like insurance can be dated all the way back to like prehistoric prehistoric um to um, like second third dynasty China. Well, like um, merchant ships definitely needed to be insured because yeah, yeah, yeah. like if one well if one goes down and there's all those goods on it like right you're screwed well, like the unless first, you have some yeah the first way they did insurance was instead of you know all of goods on one boat they started splitting up goods onto multiple boats. 
to help kind of protect that way. And then they had like merchants kind of get all get together and pool their money together. And then there would be like these flyers for these other merchants saying, Hey, this is, uh, this is the packages. This is this is my freight. This is where I'm going. And then based on like how dangerous that that particular route was and the 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 level of expense of their cargo, then these merchants would say, Yeah, I'll pay five hundred dollars to help it. You know, uh, you know, I'll cover you know five hundred dollars of of that total freight or whatever the case may be. Anyways, long story short, Lloyd's of London. Okay, so that was kind of like the one of the starting foundings of insurance in London. So today, obviously, there's a plethora of insurance groups underneath the sun, but Lloyd's of London took a kind of an interesting turn in kind of the late 1800s, early 1900s, and they became really, really popular for insuring the most random ass damn things you could possibly imagine. And I was reading it in some of my, my study stuff to get my insurance license. And I was, and so I had an epiphany a couple of days ago. I'm like, yeah, so, okay, so they, they insure random ass stuff. I said, wait a second. I bet you some rich ass people out there insured some random ass thing for an insane amount of money, and it's got to be the most insane, random, hilarious things. And Haley, let me fucking tell you, I've got a list uh. of some of the top most expensive random ass things Thank that you. celebrities and people and companies have fucking insured. And let me tell you, when I read this list, I was like, holy balls, that's hilarious. My heart is singing right now. <laughs> so let's let's dive into, and it's going to kind of go ebb and flow through history a little bit because um, it's ranked. So we're going to start out with back in the 1940s. When you think of the 1940s, you you – Right before World War II, okay, so you're coming off of the Depression. Yep. There's a big upswing. You know, businesses are starting to boom again. Not, you know, there's not a huge amount of economic growth. Um, obviously, wartime really pushed that ahead. But, you know, I think of like the late 30s, early 40s, you know, one of the biggest industries to really start booming into the 40s and the 50s was the entertainment industry the tv uh, the tv and film industry that's totally really started, fair okay yeah really started booming you know a lot of big actors um you know were, were up and coming um you know during that time um one such actress her name was elizabeth ruth grable have you ever heard of miss grable i vaguely recognize that but i couldn't place her to anything or like even a face Sure. Um, so she was an American actress, pinup girl, dancer, model, and singer. Oh. She had a total of 42 films during the 1930s and the 1940s, which grossed. They really cranked more, them out, man. Yeah, they did. Um, grossed more than $100 million total. Good for her. And she set a record of 12 consecutive years in the top 10. Of box office stars. Dang, good for you, Miss Grable. <laughs> because Betty Grable was such an iconic actress and um, what's what's the term? Sex symbol. Um, obviously, not as popular as like Marilyn Monroe and other people, but you know she you know she was a pinup girl. You know as she was she was known um, for how beautiful her legs were. Right. Oh my God, were her legs insured? 20th Century Fox brokered a deal with Betty Grable because her legs made so much money for them. They decided to 
buy an insurance policy for both of her legs. <laughs> one for each? One policy for each of her legs at a <laughs> staggering $1 million per fuck? leg. Per and leg. It, and in the 1940s, $1 million was equivalent to about a billion dollars in today's money. Oh, no. That's got to be wrong. What? Yeah. Yep. About a billion dollars. About a billion dollars per Counting for leg. inflation. Now, is this like if she breaks an ankle or if like she gets so gangrene and... <laughs> this type of insurance policy covers everything. Like when we talk about like so a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of, you know, um, insight into insurance like these type of policies that cover random stuff they cover anything that could possibly happen to them under the sun because it's so specific and you and these policies are always always bananas expensive um to to uh to to, to buy policies yeah. for absolutely um so this policy covered anything anything that happened to her legs whether they were burned scarred broken you know, cut off, whatever the case may be, you know, get into an accident, they were covered and, uh, for a million dollars. Now, but the, the thing is, is that the policy holder was 20th Century Fox. So if something happened to her legs, 20th Century Fox would receive a million dollars per leg in compensation if, if they lost their moneymaker. So what happens, what happens to Miss Granville? If she gets... Her legs chopped off. She gets her legs chopped off. Well, then, now, well, then she's just got to wait for for Twentieth Century Fox to to pay up. Yeah, essentially, essentially. No, so, so what I mean by that is, so Twentieth Century Fox holds that policy. So if something happens to to her legs, then the Twentieth Century Fox gets the million dollars. I know. So now, like she she would she would be relying on Twentieth Century Fox to like maybe give her some of that to help her with whatever's happening with her legs. Yeah, either that or there's already like an underlying deal with 20th Century Vox, you know, like there's, you know, as far as like royalties and stuff like that, like, you know, even if she was out of commission, like, you know, there would be royalties and certain fees that would still be paid to her as her films were, were, were continuously like still showed and stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she would be fine. I just want to <laughs> know, like, what else counts as like damage to her legs, whether it's like if she gets fat or if she has like cellulite pockets. <laughs> that's true uh, that's, I don't, I, I, that's more natural when she's that's not... no longer a marketable leg yeah i mean there is that i don't i didn't even think about that i just think about you know damage happening to them i didn't think about no, i feel and... like i feel like part of this is a deal like to ensure that yeah. she won't do anything to make her legs look gross right <laughs> That's almost, I'm almost positive that's what that mostly was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably not wrong. So, we're moving on from Betty Grable. Let's go uh, into kind of a little more modern day. Um, everybody knows and uh, used to watch the show. Obviously, it's not watched. I don't even know if it still airs. Actually, no, it, does, it definitely doesn't air anymore. But um, one of the biggest shows of the early 2000s was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. So, that show um, is... <laughs> is actually insured against the possibility of a contestant winning. <laughs> so it's not a, it's never a question of who wants to be a millionaire. Is it that, okay, well, does will that, they give you the money? Does that show want to pay out the million dollars? But if they do, they're insured for it. So they don't actually ever lose money. 
I don't understand who would take that insurance deal. How does the insurance company win? That's a tough one. That I would I would be curious to talk to those underwriters and to those and to those um, policymakers on on how they come out on top with that. I just... Probably probably what happens there's a thing called reinsurance is where an insurance company is insured by an insurance company um and usually a reinsurance company has pools from like multiple other companies to help cover the loss a loss whatever that loss may be um you know you know obviously if it's paying out a million dollars or whatever so there it, it could be a situation like that um but I thought that was interesting, like that it was insured against the possibility of somebody winning. <laughs> we because, don't but, want but, to give you money. But 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 honestly, thinking about it, you know, there's only ever been a few people to actually go all the way up because they had to get all those questions right. They have to do you know all that stuff. Yeah. You know, to Let's win. Let's face so, it, most of the people who end up on that show are goddamn so dumb. Oh, it's true. Absolutely. Like they and they use like they use lifelines and like the help stuff like on the most easiest Basic stuff. stuff oh they waste them so early yeah i know so anyways who wants to be a millionaire da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> moving on dolly parton everyone knows dolly parton ah uh, but what is the first thing that people think about when they think of dolly tits, parton it's her glorious tits maybe her, her hair glorious <laughs> no 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 it's it's the titties <laughs> it's, so it's dem titties she got insurance she got chits for tits on these <laughs> on those b- bad boys but um, <laughs> i'm full of them tonight she got life insurance on her lovelies for over four million dollars i want wait is this per breast <laughs> no it's 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 for total it's for their it's collection for, it's for the duo yep Yep, there is an insurance policy on those bad boys for four million dollars. <laughs> in, in the event Again, that something when tragic somebody is like insuring like a body part like that. This takes mm-hmm. me back to legs. Is this if somebody does damage to them, or if she manages to like so Dolly Parton? I'm not worried about like any cellulose going to her boobs. There's no way that like any part of those is real. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's like it's like you know like groups like Lloyd's of London who like who insure random stuff like um, there are, are professional athletes today that have like you know pitchers will have their arms and shoulders insured uh, like running backs will have their legs insured um, you know quarterbacks will have like their you know their hands or whatever you know insured um, and still to this day like some do like not it's not it's not a common thing I get I, I get it, it I get it yeah it's just kinda... yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's if there's a body part that makes you a lot of money, and honestly, that makes me think of porn stars. Do porn stars have their stuff insured? Oh, that would make sense. I was thinking of, like, you went dirty. My brain went to, like, um, a pianist or, like, a violinist who, like, needs their fingers to be intact. Yes. Actually, we're 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 gonna get there actually because there there there's there's a, some musician stuff on here too. So oh yeah, we'll, boy, we'll get there. Keep going, the keep next, going. <laughs> the next one, Haley, is hilarious. The next one is amazing. The next one's gonna blow your mind. Did you know, Haley? You didn't know, but you're gonna know <laughs> that it is possible in the United States today to legally and confidently purchase insurance against alien abductions. Good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Around the nation to this day, more than $10 million in alien abduction insurance has been written with higher payouts available for people How who are abducted do you frequently. Prove it? How, well, oh, I'm Keep sorry. In, Did you just say frequently? Who's getting abducted frequently? Who's friends with the little green men? Is this mostly in Nevada? I feel like it's mostly in Nevada. Yep. It says higher payouts available for people who are abducted frequently. Keep in mind, proving that you were abducted will be necessary before you collect. I want to know if anyone has ever collected on this. Oh, trust I me. I need that, to know. I am researching that later this week and i will and i will follow up you actually better. i will pre- i will present that for for jump change next episode god damn you better okay hold them to it guys so um get, okay so getting into musicians okay i've got two musicians for you so the first is the rolling stones everybody knows the rolling stones such a good band yeah classic rock so keith Richards, the main the front man the guitarist for the for for the rolling stones the man who's gonna live forever but look like dirt Ab- doing it absolutely so Keith has his middle guitar finger insured for $1.5 million. Specifically not the, hand, the middle one? Not the hand. Just the single middle finger. Is that because insured. it's mostly for fretting or is it just because he really likes flipping people off? Both. <laughs> I like the Both? pause there. You're just, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But the second one was interesting. I would not imagine that this person would have done this random thing. But, you know, all right. So how about how about Bruce Springsteen? Oh, okay. Yeah. How oh about boy. Bruce Springsteen? How about Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. So Bruce has one of the most, probably one of the most iconic kind of like smooth rock you know, rock type voices, you know, you, yeah. you, you, he- you hear him sing, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So if anything happens ever to his voice, he will gain an, a very impressive $6 million. That a is, six a, that is impressive. million dollar insurance policy on his vote, on his vocal cords. Does aging count at all because no no aging is not in the policy it's is it is if there is an accident it's very specific it's if there because i looked at i looked at it because i was curious i was like yeah how does that happen it's a very if there is an if there is an accidental injury it cannot be on purpose it cannot be done maliciously it cannot it has nothing to do with age but if there is a accidental accident he drinks some extra hot uh, that that McDonald's coffee that that poor woman had her had her uh, hoo ha burned sure. off. Yeah, and, and somebody <laughs> had you know somebody you know put in some you know some hydrochloric acid accidentally. You know, like they're in the kitchen, they dropped like a drop in there, and it burned his vocal cords. Got it. Six, six right. million right off the bat to come in. What you if know, he make... retires? Does the policy end if he retires as a musician? Nope. Fat Larry will not write that guy a check. Mm, okay. Um, I don't know why his agent's called Fat Larry, but it just came to me and sounded good. <laughs> so. As Fat Larry, he takes care of you. He's part of the mob. It's, uh, it's fat, Lo- uh, fat Larry, Big Tony. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fat Tony, huh? All right, so moving on. So for all you Gilded Gang listeners and for um, myself and Haley, who are adventurers, um, those of us who play D&D, um, I have a D&D-related one. Yeah. Oh, boy. 
Yeah. Oh boy. Um, but this is more on the, like the adventure side. So it's not like specific to D and D, but it's, it's more adventure. So this one's titled to catch a monster. Okay. This particular monster has been an item of hot debate for decades, years even, but there are those who are willing to bet that it will never, ever, ever be proven or found. The Cuddy Sark Insurance Company has a waiting prize of $1.5 million for anyone who captures this creature alive. To cover their own policy, sorry, to cover their own losses, the company also has an insurance policy that will pay out if someone actually does forward with so this is that's that's called that's going back to the reinsurance. The insurance company has a company that will help cover that loss. So to catch this monster, so this particular monster is none other than the Loch Ness monster. What? And it still stands today. I looked. I looked into it. It still stands. If anybody ever captures or proves a Loch Ness monster exists, they will get one point five million dollars. Are you kidding me? No. 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 Gilded I'm gang. Not. Gilded gang. Gilded gang. I know that we aren't a cryptids podcast. I know we're not a cryptids podcast. I'm just saying. If we could get our, our stupid sleuthing skills together, I know some of you probably also listen to true crime. Like, you got those sleuthing skills. I know you do. We can do it. We can find Nessie. We can get that payout. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely we can. So, yeah. So let, let's, let's get our heads together and let's do it. All right. Last one on the list. Oh. Did you ever play with yet? yo-yos as a kid Haley. i did yeah i have a very distinct memory there uh every every year or so i would say yeah every year every other year there would be a man who was like a yo-yo a professional yo-yoer he would show up at my elementary school and he would do um he would he would do a performance for everyone during like one of the town hall meetings or whatever and uh, it wasn't it wasn't yo-yo ma was it it was not i hate you yo-yo ma (laughs) is not even a yo-yoist you dumb piece of poop (laughs) (laughs) he's a cellist uh just watch me be wrong and he's not a cellist i swear he's a cellist um but yeah, anyways, so guy would show up and then he would like sell the professional yo-yos or whatever. And I do remember mm-hmm. buying a professional yo-yo at some point. I never learned how to do anything other than walking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, walk that dog. Walk dun, that dun, dog. Dun. So in the 1930s, there was a man by the name of Harvey Lowe. Um, from his early teens uh, into his adult life, he loved yo-yos and he would he would make them craft them and he was actually the world yo-yo champion in the 1930s it was the 1930s it was the depression they needed something to to hang on to well he took out an insurance policy in the 1930s which that's crazy to do in the 30s during the during you know the depression depression. yeah absolutely that's crazy that's not coming off the depression that's in the that is the depression yeah 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 harvey lowe took out a policy for 150 grand that's a lot for, of money for his hands. <sighs> Just his hands. He took out a hundred fifty grand policy in the thirties. Who for the his fuck hand. supported that? Absolutely. That's what I want to know. Who had the money? Who was like, you know? yeah, we as a company can afford this in the depression. But that's the thing. That's the thing. I think 
and I need to look into it more. I think it was somebody political. I think it was somebody like higher up that 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 had money that did not get that did not get hurt as much. Honestly, I think it might have been Rockefeller. Uh, okay. Don't qu- don't quote that me. That still but feels I, that, that, like a really weird bargain to take, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm gonna look into it because I'm really curious because. Like who? Yeah, exactly. Who had who had money to do that? So, anyways, that's just that's the list I have for crazy insurance things. So, gilded gang people, if you ever decide, you know what? I love my second to the left back tooth. There's a company out there that will insure that tooth if anything happens to it. <laughs> the, the backs of my knees, I'm very yes. fond of. <laughs> Yes, yes, I'm, I'm so fond of the backs of my knees. But do they, uh, just, just the thing, the, if you're insuring a body part, does it have to provide a service, like, to you? Does it have to be a part of, like, your job? Or can you just take out a policy on it because you like it? I mean, I think you could. I think it would be bananas expensive, but I think that the body part would have to have some sort of function that provides a service or not necessarily provide a service necessarily, but maybe, but also provide income that, that has a steady amount of income. Cause they will look at that. They will see like, okay, does your body part like provide a substantial amount of income? Because if you just go in like, Hey, I want to, I've got, you know, I'm drawing a blank. I'm, I honestly, I think you're right though. That porn stars definitely got to be insuring their penises. Oh, not just that, but I wasn't even thinking about the dudes. I was thinking about the girls, too. Like, you know, if they have their stuff insured, too, as well. I mean, I'm sure they have to have some sort of insurance, you know, for all the stuff that they go through. Oh, for sure. Ugh. I'm just saying. I think I think someone's dick has got to be insured. And on that note, we're going to go <laughs> ahead and sign <laughs> off. <laughs> we love you guys. We're glad to be back. We're glad that you're patient. Go... Um. Way to end it on a hard note. I mean, a high note. I think the title of this episode is stupid, honestly. Oh my gosh. We're, we're... Gilded Gang, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. You guys are amazing. As I, as I have reduced Haley to tears and weeping, you guys are amazing. Check us out on social media. Twitter, at Pod, Instagram, at Haley, take it away. <laughs> <laughs>